Welcome to the SG Engage podcast, where it's all social good all the time. Sit back and relax as the brightest minds from across the social good community engage with trends, big ideas, and best practices to help you drive impact. Welcome to the SG Engage podcast. This is Rachel Hutchison, and I have the honor and pleasure of leading Blackwood's global social responsibility. We're here today with Carolyn Berkowitz, who is the president and CEO of the Association of Corporate Citizenship Professionals, which is a wonderful association that Blackwood is involved with. We're a member of them. And we're here today to talk about CSR, and we're ta- here today also to talk about the impact of COVID on CSR. So welcome to the podcast, Carolyn. Thank you, Rachel. It's a pleasure to talk to you today. So let's just start with the basics. Can you just tell us a little bit about you and a little bit about ACCP? Sure. So I am the proud president of ACCP, where I've been for three years. ACCP is an organization dedicated to corporate citizenship that has been around for about 15 years. Um, and we're the membership organization for purpose-driven companies. We're also a career-long resource for professionals in CSR. So whether someone's entering the field or retiring from the field, they find a, a career-long community of passionate professionals in CSR. They learn from each other. They achieve a sense of belonging and advice from one another. We tackle issues together. And so It's really an exciting place to be, especially for me. I came out of CSR as a professional. I led uh, Capital One's corporate social responsibility work for 12 or so years. And before that, was a leader at America's Promise and the Points of Light Foundation, a consulting stint for a while. So I've come at this from a variety of angles. And my favorite angle now is to be on a perch where I have access to witness the tremendous work that's being done in 220 companies around the globe. Yeah, that's wonderful. And, and I, love, um, I love the word community, and I very much experience that sense of community within ACCP and members of my team um, at Blackboard participate in different things, depending on, you know, as you said, it doesn't matter what level you are, there's something for you. There's something for them. And, and you guys are are deeply engaged and and we love that because you bring so many perspectives to the table as well. Well, thank you. So we have that that perspective of I'm a CSR leader myself, but then we also work with with about 500 companies that use technology for CSR. So it's such an interesting intersection. Absolutely. So I would love to talk about this study that you did. You recently partnered with Rocket Social Impact and you did research on COVID-19 and racial justice and how that has affected corporate social responsibility. So can you tell us first what motivated you to do this research? So last year, which feels like it could be 20 years ago, in 2020, sort of soon after COVID struck and companies were responding to it, we were flooded like all organizations were with requests for companies to get together to give each one another advice to understand how they could help, um, what they ought to be doing. And one of the first things that we did was to uh, work with our partner, Rocket Social Impact, and to survey a series of about 100 companies to find out what are you doing in response to COVID? What's happening? As the data from that was coming in, much of the 
racial injustice that we all um, were laid bare to us this year began unfolding. And, and so the timing on the study was, it didn't really incorporate the full, the full commitment to the racial justice initiative that has happened since. And so we knew this year, and as the year changed, so much happened. And so we knew this year that we needed and wanted to repeat the study, but this time to dig into the economic downturn and how companies have experienced it and responded to it, the national and international reckoning with racial injustice and systemic racism, and also with companies' responses to COVID. And so while some of it stayed the same, we had the opportunity to be much more explicit about some of those other social factors that were occurring. What what did you find out? What are the most significant trends that you uncovered? And then secondarily, which ones do you think actually are going to have a long-term impact on this profession? So I would say that the study, the headline of the study is DEI and racial inequity changes corporate citizenship, hopefully forever. Mm -hmm. So most of what we learned came back to some component or some issue of, of, of companies addressing racial injustice, both internally and externally. And while there was a lot of change around adapting to COVID and economic crisis, some of those things felt a little bit more like any big disaster. There are workplace trends, as we all know from every headline every day, that is changing the, the nature of work these days, whether that is virtual volunteering or whether or not, you know, how people interact with one another and, and, and how offices now look or don't look. But aside from that, the biggest change is the overlap or the intersection of the racial justice issue, the health disparity and, and how people interact and ultimately um, what that does to the economy. So things like 40% of companies in the survey said that they made a, that they're making a long-term CSR focus area shift. And 64% of those are shifting or adding racial justice and racial equity as a priority. Another sort of important trend that is straight up about DEI is how companies are incorporating these things. So many companies are supporting the movement, the racial justice movement. And so organizations that are that are working broadly to ad address systemic issues, many companies are looking at their own focus areas, whether it's food insecurity or whether it's education or whether it's housing, and really taking a look at that through a DEI and, and equity lens. And then still others are thinking about who is leading um, nonprofit organizations and how they listen and engage with the community writ large and whether or not they support, sponsor, build the capacity of organization, community-based organizations led by BIPOC individuals or with BIPOC boards, majority BIPOC boards, et cetera, and really thinking about how to listen differently 
to those leaders than perhaps they had been in the past. So there are a variety of different strategies. The one strategy that I think, that last one that I mentioned, which is funding BIPOC leaders, organizations led by people of color, there were only 25% that said that's the thing that they are doing, but 25% is really significant. you know. And so I think those that are not doing that, the nuance there is, how do we do that? What are the questions that we ask? You know, how do we know? Are organizations changing fast enough? Are we getting great recommendations of organizations? Are, are our networks expanded in a way where these folks and their organizations are known to us? Yeah, so it's about formalizing others, that practice. Exactly. Yeah. So while the others are really, there's big numbers around how they're doing that, you know, it's it's not difficult to write a check to a national organization that is an advocacy organization that is really changing, you know, working to change society writ large. It it is harder and especially harder by a field that is also not as diverse as it could be to identify community-based organizations and, and their leadership that are doing really great work. Yeah, I had a really interesting conversation this summer at a Giving Institute meeting with some yep. funders talking about, you know, companies coming out and making pledges and making gifts and then and and not just companies, but others, foundations doing this. And yeah, and then how long that would actually would all those gifts actually come to fruition and would the change actually come? And and I'm hopeful that since there's such a push that there will be long term change addressing these systems and and a lot of it does have to do with who actually is sitting at the table and how we diversify that. Exactly. Um, so and this that's is all work that ACCP is also doing. Um, so we are embarking now on a research project around, around equity in the CSR profession. And that is to understand both representation within the profession, the experiences of people of color working in the profession, and how either of those things correlate to the way that they fund especially the way that they fund uh, initiatives related to racial equity or with the racial equity lens. And so our hypothesis is that as uh, the field of funders diversifies and, the, and mm -hmm. the field of corporate leaders diversifies, the working community will be better. And so it'll be really interesting when that data comes back to sort of slice and dice it against some of the trends that we're seeing from this study to see how that goes. So I'd love to come back and share. I was just going to say, you're going to have to come back and, and help our SG Engage listeners know what's happened with your new study. So keep me, I actually answered the survey and I know I'm we've, so been glad. Lift, we've been lifting it up to, um, you know, different companies through our social media to encourage yeah. them to answer it. So and, come back. and your teams for sure, yeah, like yeah. the whole team. Yeah, we did it. We, we had our right. whole team do it and That's not just my perspective, but everyone's perspective. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So more on that. So I know that I've seen over my own career, uh, CSR or what we call it global social responsibility. I kind of don't like the word corporate because I feel like it has connotations that it's really about our people, not just the mm -hmm. needs of the corporate. But um, this function has become more important over time. It's more, moved to the forefront of a lot of companies and it's getting a lot more attention from the C-suite. So what did your research find out about that? So um, one of the things that we learned for sure was that 
the expectations of CEOs and of senior leadership of corporations and companies is significantly um, raising, you know, raising the game. So they want to be reported to more frequently. They want CEOs want to have a greater hand in the work. CEOs are actually increasing budgets or allowing for budget external budgets to be increased, not necessarily internal budgets to be increased. And what we know anecdotally is, or or from other parts of the research, that as this area in general is increasing in importance. So there's more work, there's a heightened demand, there's a heightened demand for, for measurement, and there is not necessarily an increase in the internal resources to do that work. So I think in some ways we're at a really important inflection point mm. that we will continue to have to reckon with and that I think is really an important internal advocacy position for CSR leaders and ESG leaders in a larger sense to influence and to move forward. We've, we've got to have the right people in the right places to do the volume of work that really is expected and necessary to make change. So CEOs are getting it. They're embracing it. We know the Business Roundtable, it's been two years since they changed their kind of statement of purpose around this. Just Capital just issued an update about that, which was really interesting. They're getting it. They're seeing the importance. Um, I actually work for our CEO. I've worked for the CEO for 10, 15 years because we see it as a top level priority in our program versus having it be lower, being lower in the organization. But there is that juxtaposition of well, do you have the capacity to do all the work? And, exactly. And one of yeah, the things so that's so- 52% reported increased exposure to the C-suite. And then in terms of the demands, 48% required more updates. 33% want the voice in the strategy. 43% want to see greater impact. 42% increased demand in measuring success. And yet, 77% did not change the size of their CSR team at all, and 8% decreased. So that, you know, that's 85% with the same amount or less people doing yeah, that. Yeah, so it's more. it's good news that there weren't more decreasing because sometimes in exactly. the past that it's been exactly. an area that's been decreased. But but one of the things that I look at that is going to need more attention, and you mentioned it at the top, that that shift in workforce. So we've got lots of people who are working virtually. And volunteerism, engagement, community building, a lot of that's done in person. And we're having to shift to how we do it virtually and globally. And I've actually said to to my own leaders, you know, we're going to have to think about how we build the infrastructure to do that the right way. And some of it is through, through key partners who are providing programs to us, but it's also, we just have to rethink how we do business. Right. So in terms of um, budget, um, you've talked about that a little bit. Any other insights on budget? Um, yeah, so about half indicated a budget a budget increase, and only just under 15% had a decreased budget, which is good, and the rest remained flat. Which so I would I say think, is good news, given the I 18 months we've just had. good news. That's right. Yeah. I think it's yeah. absolutely good news. Yeah, the seeing it as a priority. Right. The other piece I think that is really good news is that there is this increased recognition of integration of some sort between the other groups within the company, especially DEI, ESG, sustainability, others, 
So whereas they had often been completely separate silos, they are now the expectation for um, integration and the the increased resources that come out of that integration, I think, are also good news. Companies are starting to realize that it's not they're not separate things internally and externally, especially around equity initiatives. Folks have to be aligned and they have to depend on one another for aligned strategies that have, uh, you know, a greater impact as a result. Yeah, that actually segues into the next thing I was going to ask you about DEI and equity and and justice and ESG and yeah, and it, I would call it all highly matrixed. So yeah, you know, yeah. I lead social responsibility, and every time I talk about that, I put like my hands over my head, like I'm making this rainbow, like this high level exactly. thing. Social yeah. responsibility is really high, and underneath that, you have ESG and other things, but sometimes they're led by other people in your company. So exactly the integration of what you're doing to be socially responsible has to do with all your people practices. It has to do with your DNI practices. It also has to do with your, your sustainability practices. So, Absolutely. you know, there are all these people who are working together and who often sit in different parts of the company. And we saw some in marketing as well. I mean, yep. communications, yep. Um, 86%, which is a, a, you know, a big piece of that headline, 86% indicated that they are increasing integration with internal DEI, HR, ESG functions, or all of the above. And and that's a, a big deal. Yeah. And marketing is a huge partner. Marketing yes. and HR, like huge partners. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and employees and, and customers really want this. So it's funny when you talk specifically about ESG, people think, well, oh, you're talking that's environment, social, and governance, in case our listeners don't know that. They think, oh, that's about investors. And we are a public company. So yeah, sure, it's about investors. But our first audience is actually our employees. It's employees, it's customers, it's community, and it's investors. It's all right. of that. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we know that, CEOs do not necessarily order the stakeholders, ESG stakeholders, the way we might assume. And so it, it is not necessarily that the top stakeholder to a CEO is investors. In fact, that, that's way further down the list. The top stakeholder to the CEO, there too, it's employees and customers. Yeah, that's exactly and what so, our CEO says. Right. That's right. Starts with the employees. If That's you get right. it right with the employees and your customers, then you get the other things right. That's right. That and generally, communities even come higher than investors in, in often because it, it is that intersectionality of those groups that will allow for great customer interactions. Well, when you look at a social responsibility report, it's there are pieces of it in that in it for different audiences. So, right. you know, the ESG data disclosures at the bottom are what's most important to the investor community, but the other right. things are really important too. So, exactly. Um, so exactly. this is fascinating, and we could talk all day about it. And I do want to have you come back and talk about your other study sometime in the future. But um, before we sign out, can you tell our listening audience how they can find out more and maybe access the report? Absolutely. So if you go to accp.org slash resources slash CSR resources, you'll see that there is data and research. And this particular study on is called the impact of the pandemic on uh, and racial justice movement on CSR. Awesome. Wonderful. So we will make sure we lift up that when we share this um 
podcast out with everybody so that they can can get access to the report. So Carolyn, thank you so much for spending the time to be with us today. Really wonderful. I love what ACCP does, both for me, for the team, and for the profession. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rachel. We we love our relationship with you guys, and um, and we will continue the conversation. So for SG Engage audience, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. You can find this and other episodes on whatever system you use to follow podcasts. So hope you have a great day. This is Rachel Hutchison signing out.